Chapter 2 Final Showdown When we are old, we can, and often do, travel in our thoughts to the time of our youth, to the time when our legs were strong and our backs did not hurt, and our eyes and wits were as sharp and as quick as cat's teeth. While they waited for the dragon, no doubt Beowulf thought about when he had been an orphan boy of seven, a wild, clumsy little creature. Back then, the king of the Yeats had been an aging hero figure named Hrethel. Gray-haired Hrethel had adopted little Beowulf, who was his grandnephew, and treated him exactly as he treated his own sons, Haribald, Hethsin, and Higelak, even though Beowulf's name did not start with an H. Needless to say, Hrethel the hero king made a strong impression upon little Beowulf. When the boys had grown into teens, though, Hrethel faced an impossible situation. His own boys, always more eager to learn how to use weapons than their younger kinsman Beowulf was, spent the afternoon shooting horn bows that were perhaps too powerful for them to use properly. They had been warned that the bows were too dangerous for them to use unsupervised. Being boys, they used the bows nonetheless. And improperly supervised and not wearing safety equipment, Haithson accidentally shot his brother Haribald through the eye, and his brother Haribald died. You have no doubt heard about this one before, purely as an ethical problem, Hrethel's dilemma. Accident or no, King Hrethel is now duty-bound to avenge the death of his son Haribald by killing Haithson, his son's killer. But who is also his son? How can he avenge the loss of his son by killing another of his sons, and in so doing, lose twice as many sons? Yet Hrethel is doubly duty-bound as king to punish the death of one of his subjects. A life has been taken, and must needs be repaid in blood. If only it had been a stranger, preferably from another country, who had killed a son, the one house could have fought a bloody battle with the other to get satisfaction, and the blood of the son could have been washed away in the ensuing flood of battle gore. But, due to one accident, both sons die, one with an arrow through the eye at the hand of his brother, and now the other, upon the gallows, must surely die at the hand of his father the king. But this does not seem to be what happened. Prethel, stuck in this situation, did not kill his son Haithson, despite the famous dilemma. Nevertheless, not many years later, when the Yets engaged a faction of the Swedes in battle, Haithson fell at Ravenswood. And so, when sorrowing gray-haired Hrethel was no more, the only member of his house left in line to be king was Higelak, the remaining son. And so Higelak became king and did his best to be a father figure to young Beowulf. Makes you think, doesn't it? By the time the dragon could be seen, a rapidly growing speck in the sky, Beowulf was psyching himself up for battle. I killed the Nikras in my swimming contest with Breca. I killed Grendel and his mother both, and numerous sea creatures beside. I killed Dagfrin, knight of the Frankish men, before anyone else could. I braved in my younger days battles too many to count and creatures beyond description, and I will kill this creature. He will face me and me only. You men go and witness the fight from those trees over there where you'll be safe. When I am done, you shall have a share in the treasure, though you shall have to help carry it. And with this, Beowulf the king said goodbye to each of his men and sent them to hide from the imminent serpent in the tree line. And they all hid in the trees while the dragon flew in like a flung stone and vanished from their sight behind a stretch of cliffs. Somehow they knew the beast was checking on his treasure trove. Then white-haired Beowulf ranged around, walking stiffly and carrying his heavy iron shield in his uncanny grip, until he found the larger entrance the dragon had used. And when he found it, 
he called out to the dragon in a loud voice to come out of the cave and face him. This call reverberated off the cliff faces like the peal of a trumpet, and then Beowulf rested the large rectangular shield on the ground and braced it from behind, holding long, thick nailing ready in his free hand. Coiling and uncoiling in fury, belly heating up with molten wrath, the beast erupted from his cavern, and every man who had come with Beowulf held tight with terror to his tree, scarcely daring to peer around it at the ensuing dragon fight. The dragon blasted out gouts of flame until the shield Beowulf sheltered behind began to grow red with heat. Not wanting to be cooked alive, the mighty hero lifted his shield before him, planted his feet, and unleashed a world-ending downward blow at the flame-spewing head when the dragon grew incautious enough to put his head within the range of Beowulf's sword arm. Never had a sword been swung with half so much power or speed, despite the age of the swordsman. Nailing was a strong, well-made weapon of renown that had never let Beowulf down. The blade struck the beast squarely across the forehead, and the sword rebounded from the dragon's skull, completely failing to bite into it. Beowulf rested his shield on the ground and took refuge behind it as the dragon vomited ever more flame at it, and the dragon fire lit the edges of Beowulf's beard on fire and began to cook his arm like a cod on a campfire. 